okay, I have lived my entire life hating on my body and trying to run away from it. Now, like as I turn 26, 27, (laughs) I was like, okay, this this year is going to be the year that I finally just accept it. I'm just going to shake hands with myself and be like, I accept you no matter what. Goodbye diets and hello, sustainable health. I'm Elise, dietitian and nutritionist based in the Silicon Valley. I believe that we all deserve an effortless relationship with food without obsession. How are you? I am so excited to connect. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. Oh wait. So you're in San Francisco? I am. So I'm in the Bay area and I happen to be in the WeWork office today. So I'm just Mm -hmm. chilling in this phone booth. I've got mood lighting, the whole shebang. (laughs) I can see that. It's like a whole show. I love it. (laughs) Wow. Let me introduce my audience to you because I feel like they're going to love you. How I found Sayung, she popped up on my TikTok and it was love at first sight. I saw you and I was like, oh my gosh, she speaks to me because the first video I saw you were doing so much body positivity messaging and it was so in your face. And I just loved how confident you were. You were really repping that sort of Asian American, I love my body and you should too message. And it was just so refreshing to see that representation because I don't think we see a lot of really confident, outspoken Asian women on TikTok repping their bodies and being so confident. And so I just love that. And you are all about empowering others to love their body, just like how you are with yours. And you are just someone that is so inspirational. And I love that you're based in New York. And I love that you are taking your career by the reins and doing modeling and doing fashion. And I see you and you're landing these deals. And I just love that. And I saw that you had launched your own podcast. This is your sign. And I was just so excited to see you in the podcasting world. So welcome to the podcast, Craving Food Freedom, so young. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, for all of you guys listening, I'm so excited to be here. I would love to learn more about you. So please do tell me more about you and how you got on this path. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's so funny because like whenever people ask me this question, I'm like, where the heck do I start? I guess like growing up Asian American, I was always held to the Asian standard. But when I would go to school and like hang out with my friends, it was so different. And so there was always this juxtaposition. There was always this like double life that I was leading. And it was so confusing. It was confusing as hell obviously Asian body standards. I've been held to that my entire life. And even though I'm free of my parents' reign and like I have a mind of my own now, I'm still held to that in certain occasions. But yeah, growing up, it was tough. It was really tough, especially the town that I used to live in growing up. There was like less than 5% Asian people there. And so I never felt represented and there was not that much diversity at all. So um, I also had like really strict parents. And so like, it was weird because I would have really strict parents. And then when I go to school, I'm taught to be like very liberal and like talk to adults differently. And you know what I mean? It was just, it was quite the contradiction, but I feel like so many people, they resonate with that now. And like, we are all grown up. So we all like talk about it now. So yeah, growing up and then I went to college and this is where like, I guess the topic of what you talk about comes in because 
now I don't have my parents and now I don't have like to tell me what to do, what not to do. And that is where I think a lot of my self-sabotaging like behaviors, binge eating, body dysmorphia, all of that really came out to light. Like, and it always existed within me for so many reasons that we can get into, but in college, yeah, that's just when it all came out to life. Um, And it was even more amplified when I got into the workforce as a young adult. And then just recently, like in 2020 slash 2021, that's when I really had to, like you said, like take it by the reins and, and like ask myself, what do we, what do you want to do with your life? You know, do you want to keep living in the shadows? Do you want to keep being this like cardboard cutout shell of yourself that people think you are, or do you want to live life to the fullest? And I was really like, I had to pick, I was at the crossroads. I went on this like little 12 month, not little, (laughs) huge 12 month experiment, like of really changing my life. I quit my job. I allowed myself to explore all of my deepest, greatest desires. I had to face my deepest, darkest fears of lack and insecurity and all of that. And here I am assigned plus size Korean model, full-time content creator, (laughs) and, you know, starting sharing my story like this. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I see the fire in you and it is just amazing. You just seem so passionate about this stuff, Mm -hmm. but backing up, oh my, what was childhood like? How was growing up in the East coast? What was that all about? Oh yeah. So my parents are hustlers. Like they are on the grind. I learned my, the work ethic from them and it's not in a bad way, but like they came here as immigrants. My dad was like 25 and he was like, I want a fresh start. I want my family to grow up here. So he started from the bottom and they, what they know about, you know, working and abundance is very different than like what I see now. Basically they were working like 60, 80 hour weeks meaning they weren't home a lot, (laughs) meaning, and they never really got a nanny. Like, I think I had a nanny until kindergarten. And then after that, I would just like come home. Um, And so I would have to make meals for myself and, uh, you know, grocery shopping was one time a week. So like, I would have to plan out, like, what do I have for breakfast? What do I have for lunch? Like I have to pack lunch this day, et cetera. So I learned all of that myself. And even getting homework done, like that was a freaking challenge because no one was ever around, you know? And yeah, like that continued all throughout middle school, high school. And I think a lot of the lack of control or like, like a lot of the habits that and behaviors I learned as a kid, they really came out as I became an adult and in college, like I said before, but yeah, that's like, I guess a little bit about, you know, life as a kid. Oh, I guess I could touch on um, self-esteem. Like that's a huge thing. Oh my gosh. I was always very chubby, also obese and overweight. And I feel like the BMI system at school and all my doctors would be like, you need to lose weight. Like always saying you are way over the BMI or whatnot. And like, obviously I kind of acknowledge that, but also I also acknowledge that that system is kind of flawed. <laughs> like maybe I was taller at that age or whatnot, but yeah. Um, 
So I was like, always overweight. I had really low self-confidence because my parents are really traditional. So they didn't really like, you know, work on the affirmation part. If anything, it was like the exact opposite. They were always comparing me to other people, like a lot of my other peers. Um, so it was kind of a struggle bus. Like I do have to admit that I, I think I struggle with admitting like, oh, I had a hard time because I know that there's other people that, you know, I could have had it worse, but I'm now coming to the realization, like, it's okay to acknowledge that life was hard growing up and I'm allowed to feel that way. Um, and I think growing up, I never thought I could be a plus size model, never thought I could be in front of a camera. In fact, some of the bosses that I've worked for in fashion would look at me up and down and be like, you should never be, you know, in that. Yeah. And it was, that was scarring in itself too. And I have so many more stories, but yeah. So I was like totally on the opposite end. And what I realized is like, I had to face the fear. Like one of the, my greatest passion that I have now is actually my greatest fear. And that's something that I really want to challenge your like audience and kind of make them introspect on like, what is your greatest triggers? Cause sometimes your triggers are, you know, the, the pathway to freedom, but anyways, <laughs> we all need to write that down, put it on a postcard and just remind ourselves every day. That was so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I was in the car today driving to SF with my boyfriend and I was telling him too, that, you know, what should I do for this business? What am I doing right now? Is it the right thing? What should I be doing? And he was like, Elise, you preach this to your patients every single day. Listen to what brings you joy. Listen to your body. What do you want to do? And right. it's like, I just get into this, I, this tunnel vision of like the thing that I do on a day-to-day -day basis is the hardest for me to practice in other areas of my life. And so <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're drawn to the thing that we fear the most or is the most challenging for us. <laughs> yes. But I have to say, we have so much in common, Young, because I grew up one of like three Asian kids in my high school. And it was like a big high school um, right north of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge in Marin. I felt so different compared to the other kids. So how did you feel growing up as such a minority? Oh, I feel like it was always this inherent knowing that I'm different. And especially the town I grew up in, they, it was like a upper middle, upper middle class. And I always felt like a fraud. And because my parents worked so hard just so we can pay the taxes in that town, just so I can get a good education. But it was never like um, to the, you know, like my parents weren't doctors and they weren't like engineers or like CEOs or owning jewelry industries or whatever. Um, so it was really hard. And I, there was always this inherent knowing that like I was different, not just because of my skin tone, not just because of like the language I speak, but yeah, I always had that limiting belief in my head. And I think you, you also like believe in love attraction or like, yeah, you know, manifestation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's like a common term that like in that community, we use like limiting belief. Um, but yeah, that was what it was about. Um, but what about you? How did you feel? 
I honestly, it's just, I feel like you're reflecting what my experience was because in addition to being one of three Asian kids, my -hmm. family also, um, we were immigrants. So I came here when I was four. So my parents came when they were well into adulthood. So first they didn't know the language. I didn't know the language. And we also lived in a very homogenous upper middle, actually upper class sort of community. And it just felt like I was different on different on different. The layers of difference was just so, we were just too many degrees separate. And so as a kid, because I didn't feel like I belonged or was cool enough or was charming enough or confident enough, I I stayed really small. I stayed in my little shell. I remember when I was 12, my mom bought me a book, like how to make friends, because I truly did not know how to small talk or make friends. But because of that, same with you, I, I used control, or I tried to control my environment in a different way. And for me, that was food. Mm-hmm. And here we are, me as a dietitian years later, but to me, that was my little world that I could control. And it was just like, it was not helpful. It was like helpful to an extent, but really it did not serve me. <laughs> right, right. And I think that like when people ask us like, what made you want to, you know, do this? Or like, how did you find the motivation? Like what inspires you? It's like, girlfriend, (laughs) why do you think we're in the position we are now? It's because we went through all of that. Like we went through the hardships. We, that's how we're in this place where we want to help people. Um, But yeah, your, your story just like reminded me of that. (laughs) So it really, it always comes full circle. How were your parents, what were they like growing up? They seem just so busy and so occupied to take care of you. Yeah, they're like, they were definitely, like my mom comes from the countryside in Korea. So her only goal was to like be able to afford food every day. And um she is actually from like, there's this town where uh, the border of North Korea and South Korea meets. And she lives like right there in the border of South Korea. So she always like grew up craving like white rice and like she like white rice was such a delicacy because like what she ate was like leftover farm potatoes and like the stuff like that. And then she married my dad, who's like the city boy, who's like the fifth eldest son and like you know kind of like the golden child that like moved to America and started everything here so that his siblings can come and so my dad having a lot of pride and like really high ego and my mom naturally being like submissive but also like super stubborn (laughs) it was really interesting (laughs) so like growing up and also my sister and I we're the only two women in our entire family's like children so we were so I think my dad like was always just like you have to marry rich like that's the only way that you're going to be able to do well in America because what does he know he came here and he's just like all right like try let's try to make a living you know and technology doesn't really exist at that time all they know is like college 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 so that was really like the route for us and even though that narrative changed and like we saw people you know like dropping out of college and being able to create businesses and whatnot he was still like no it has to be college or nothing like you either have to be a teacher a doctor or an engineer or lawyer um or else like it was the end of the world and it's it's hilarious because I never fit into that mold like my sister and I never fit we 
like for me personally, I never did uh, well in school. Like it was never even satisfactory. It was like below <laughs> average. And, um, but in the creative field, I was constantly excelling, but that was not considered successful. So I had to push that down inside of me. So all of these like imaginary visions I had and like, like um, art classes or <clears throat> for me, I studied classical music competitively. That was always just like, that's just the extracurricular that's gonna boost you up. And yeah, that's what I learned. And then I went to Rutgers Newark, which is a New Jersey state school. And I didn't learn my lesson even then. And I was just trying to become like a teacher because I was like, well, if I might as, if in those, if you're gonna give me those categories, I might as well pick one thing that I might resonate with, which is working with the youth. And like, I'm so passionate about working with the youth because in high school, I had such a hard time. Like I would say those four years were probably like one of the darkest, most depressive times of my life. And if I, if I had a mentor back then, if I had a teacher back then that just, you know, was able to not even like guide me, but like just to be there as like that daily bright presence, like I sometimes think, man, maybe I would have had some hope, you know? And so that's why I'm so passionate on um, helping the youth with like loving their bodies right now. And one of my goals is to like do workshops in the future and um, yeah, just like focusing on the youth, like the generation to come with all that stuff. But yeah, that was, that was what growing up was like. <laughs> mm. It sounded like you were missing the sort of positive encouragement in some way. And what specifically do you remember from high school that was bogging you down? Oof, so much. Like <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Comparison was like ugh, the thief of joy. That's what we all say, right? Jealousy. Um, I was never able to fit in. Like I had a really destructive diet, like crash dieting system. And as you know, with crash dieting, if you're not feeding yourself right, you're not going to do anything right. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And um, I was just not properly fed because I was constantly comparing my body to like other people's bodies. I never played a sport as well. So like I was constantly sitting on my ass every day and like not having that activity to like let out energy or anything um I like ran here and there but you know it's it's different then because all of my friends were constantly in sports like all year round and it was like very like preppy and I was just like oh interesting like I don't do any of these things but you know oh well um but now looking back I'm like oh okay I see that and all of these things just like kind of piled up and like not I remember it was a specific time where the assistant principal and like all of my teachers were in a room and I didn't know. And then they called me on the loudspeaker and it was like, say, please report to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, okay. And I go in and then it's like an intervention and they're all just sitting there and they were just like, we need to start talking about like what's going on with you. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And to me, like, with my parents, if they knew about this or if they found out, I was like, I am going to die today. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And I was just so scared. And I remember just feeling like, oh my God, oh my God, like having a panic attack. And they were just like, what's going on? Like your grades, you're failing. And, um, you know, your teachers are noticing all of this. And I just stayed quiet. I didn't know what the freak to say. You know, I was always told not to talk unless you're talked to and like never bring your family shame. And so, yeah, like I think at that moment, I had realized that, wow, I'm really depressed, whatever that means, because I didn't know what that meant back then either. And yeah, I was just not able to approach anyone. I started having some really scary thoughts, um, to be really honest. And I just found no point in anything in life. And I was also like a really deep thinker. I think that's like the creative aspect. I would always think super deep and I'd be like, well, what's the point in anything right now? When I think about that, that version of me, I'm just like, oh, it really breaks my heart because I know that there's one person at that age that's going through that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to like hug them <laughs> and nurture them and be like, you're not alone, you know? But yeah. Kids have it so hard these days. I don't even know what it's like. Um, and it sounds like a lot of your brain energy, a lot of your brain space was zapped by things that were not very pleasant. Mm -hmm. What was the turning point for you? I think my turning point was pretty later on. So like it was two years ago, I would say in 2020, I was working at this fashion startup brand in New York City. And I thought I had made it. I was like, yes, like this is where I want to be. I finally get to work under the creative director. Like this is going to be so cool. And then I enter it and I'm like, oh, (laughs) jokes on me. This is one of the most toxic cycles or toxic environments I have ever been in. And I have been in a lot of toxic environments. Okay. So (laughs) I know one when I see one, but for some reason, I kept attracting and manifesting toxic relationships, toxic friendships, and toxic work environments. So I was just like, okay, what is going on here? (laughs) But I kept working because I kept thinking, I want their recommendation for grad school. I want their recommendation for grad school. So I'm just going to zip it like I know how I do and work really hard. So I was grinding my ass off, like going home by 11 p.m., getting to the office by like 8 a.m. And I had like a two-hour commute. And then uh, right before the pandemic hit, my dog died. And my dog, because as you know, and as you guys have heard, I grew up alone. So any of my pets or my dogs that I had, they were like my only companion. (laughs) And um, when my dog died, that was just like, I remember just like sobbing over his bed and, or I remember telling my creative director being like, I need to go right now. And she was like, uh, okay. And I took an Uber home and I was like sobbing over his bed. And I was like, I am never ever gonna allow anyone, any job, anything come between something between me and something I love ever again. And, um, yeah. And then the next day I go into the office and I quit. And I was just like, I, I'm really sad here. She was like, I could tell. And I'm like, yeah um yeah and then I quit then the pandemic happened but then a year later uh which was last year in April 
I found myself in the same place and it was a better place. It was not a toxic job. Um, and I finally got into my own apartment. It was so much better. But again, I found myself looking in the mirror and being like, say, what are you doing? Like, remember what you said? Remember that like vow that you made to yourself? So like, what is it going to be? And it was one of the scariest moments in my life because I had to ask myself and get really real, like enough of the distractions, enough of grad school, you know, you don't want to go to grad school. (laughs) What do you really want to do? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I quit my job again. (laughs) Doing it, doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, no, this is it. And that's when I started this like journey of uncovering all the things from childhood. So like my binge eating disorder and like body dysmorphia and realizing that I did have a passion for, for body confidence and like, you know, wanting to mend that relationship with my body again, intuitive eating, intuitive movement. And that's when I found all of this stuff about manifestation, blah, 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 blah. And I implemented it. That's when I did my 12 month experiment. And then everything changed from them. That was like, uh, I think Napoleon Hill, not Napoleon Hill. There's this uh, self-help author, a really significant one. He talks about, oh, Bob Proctor, which is like, mm-hmm. he's like the father of law of attraction. And he talks about keep going until a tipping point. There's a tipping point for everything in life. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> just going to keep going. And um, as I quit my job, like, yeah, I just found like little opportunities to get cash here and there. And then like all of a sudden um, my mom would give me money or like my boyfriend would get a raise or he would get a publication so we can like support ourselves better. Or um, I found a dog walking client that like paid me twice as much or, and then I got signed to a modeling agency in, in October. And that is an, is another story in itself. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. And here I am like eight, it's only been seven, eight months into the experiment, but that was the tipping point. (laughs) That's when everything changed. (laughs) It sounded like, right. It sounded like a progression, but also a whirlwind. So if I were to get this straight, you went from high school to getting to get to going to college to become a teacher. And in between you were working in fashion. And then finally you're like, I can't, I can't do grad school. There's no need. I'm going to continue this route. What was your, cause you, you mentioned your relationship with food and body was kind of shaky until quite recently. What was that like before and how did you approach it during this eight month journey? Oh yeah. At that point I had developed this habit of like going for walks because during the pandemic I was sick and tired of being home. And I was like, I just need some fresh air. So I'd go for these walks and I'd be like, I really like these walks, like, and putting in a podcast and just roaming around. Um, So I had already developed that habit to do it every day. And when I went on that like eight month experiment, I was like, okay, I have lived my entire life hating on my body and trying to run away from it. Now, like as I turn, how old did I turn last year? 27, 26, 27. (laughs) I was like, okay, 
this is, this year is going to be the year that I finally just accept it. I'm just going to shake hands with myself and be like, I accept you no matter what. And I love you. And thank you for taking me this far in life. I want to work with you now so that we can create a better life for ourselves so that we can experience all of the things you've ever wanted to experience in your body. And it was super slow. And, and I'm not even going to lie. I am not perfect right now whatsoever. Like I make mistakes too, but it was just that moment of declaring to myself, like, I am so sick and tired of running away from us, from you. I want to make amends. And because I had already developed that relationship with myself of like going out every day for 20 minutes on a walk, I was like, okay, next week, I'm going to take it one step further. And then we'll go to the gym two times. And then we'll go to the gym three times. Um, then I started falling in love with like the idea of movement. And I started falling in love with how my body was just like responding to it. Like I would see a muscle pop and I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> and like uh, the best feeling was going to the gym, coming home and then eating, eating something that I was really craving, like um, a chicken veggie stir fry with like rice and how just good it would feel to eat that instead of um, something really bad that not bad. Cause I don't think there's, it's just what's serving you and what's not, or like something that was just not serving me. And I was doing because there was like a void in my heart or my mind. Yeah. So I started falling in love with that lifestyle. And, um, and then I started allowing myself to, what is it called Uh, play? And, you know, as a child, like I didn't have that sense of movement, like nobody taught me to do a sport or anything. Right. So I started going, um, to hot yoga, which was like a huge change for me. Um, and then I hired a personal trainer and then, you know, I started juicing and I was just like, this is so fun. And like, now I'm learning about myself, what I like, what I don't like. And I'm in control of that. Like I'm the, the pioneer of that. Um, and it was just so freeing. Like you would think like, I feel like a lot of these diet and weight loss shows, they make it look really miserable they make it look really lonely and tiring and I'm like why not think of it the opposite why not enjoy the process romanticize it fall in love with yourself throughout that have the intention of that and like let's make it enjoying like joyful you know so I think and I think um I remember in the summer like looking at myself in my car mirror being like my success is going to rely heavily on how much joy I'm feeling and like the the joy that comes out from me from like being my best self in terms of wellness like how am I taking care of myself you know and um yeah I think just like building that relationship with myself helped me to I think that's what helped me to become recognized by like modeling agencies and stuff but yeah mm. <laughs> Like the fact that they could see the joy and see how much fun you were having just being you. That stuff is infectious, guys. I hope you guys are catching every word she's saying because you you kind of broke up with the idea of changing your body or the need to change. Mm -hmm. And you approached it from a place of acceptance. And I, I talk to my patients about this all the time and it's every day a work in progress. But 
for me, when I see someone trying to juice or do all the things and go to the gym, if they are in this intertwined relationship with it has to change my body, then that's when we have to re-examine that relationship. But you came at it from such a loving place. So everything that you're doing, we're giving you joy. And that is so Mm. special to tap into. Yes, yes, yes. That's the key. (laughs) That's that really is the key point. Like you I'm so glad that you like you teach that as well or like you try to share that with your clients as well because I feel like just five, six years ago, maybe even three, four years ago, that kind of wasn't the popular way of like coaching people to quote unquote their ideal body weight or their ideal body type or whatever. Um, So I'm just so glad that like people like you exist that can actually lead people into regaining their power back, which is themselves. I think for me, the moments in my work that I light up during are when people tell me they get to this spot where I'm just having fun. I'm really just having fun. And it doesn't matter what happens with my body. And that is so special. But I want to hear from you. You're in this like fashion world, New York City, hot girl, like world right now. How does it feel being surrounded in that sort of environment? Mm, It actually feels normal (laughs) and it's so weird right but like I think it's because when I was in it from the angle of the creative director I was working for I hated it like I remember I was like oh yes I made it like I get to study I get to be her protege whatever and then I was like oh my god I literally hate this so much um but it's because it was from a completely different angle But now I'm at an angle where like everybody around me is all about inclusivity. Everybody around Mm -hmm. me is all about diversity and representation and they all bring their own perspectives as well. So like a person that I'll meet, it'll be like, oh, I think that'll be really cool. Or like, if you do this, it'll be really cool. And I'm like, oh my God, I never thought of that, you know? Whereas like, yeah, before, and even before I was like a volunteer at New York Fashion Week. So I would go to these like high fashion shows and like volunteer and I would meet some like nasty people and just people that were not very nice. And it's funny because like now I want to infiltrate the system and like really just radiate love and acceptance so that there will be less miserable people because I believe in the fashion industry, the reason why it's so exclusive um, and the reason why it's so just catty, I guess, um, is because everyone's so miserable (laughs) and they're all just like comparing themselves. And, you know, I used to be one of them until I learned that there's a much better way to go about all of this. yeah, that's like what I stand for now. And I'm like, no, like generations say is going to (laughs) be filled with compassion and acceptance. And I just want everyone to be included. And like, yeah, just, oh my gosh. Um, But okay, let's, let's think. Cause um, I think the fashion industry is doing better, definitely better than just a few years ago in terms of inclusivity and sizes and like shapes and forms, but there's so much more work to be done. And I feel like I actually came and like, I sliced the cake right in the 
uh, right time that I needed to be in. Because if I had entered the fashion industry five years ago, forget about it. I would be out of there like that. <laughs> but because I entered now, I'm like, ah, okay. I know what works, what work needs to be done. And I know what agency I need to be with in order mm. to get there. And now I know what designers are um, starting to open their gates into. And yeah, there's a lot of more work to be done. Ah, you plant that seed. I love it. And it just sounds like your agency was attracted to you because get, let me know if I'm right, but your agency mm-hmm. seems to be really all about inclusivity and diversity. Yes. Yes. They're actually like one of the top two agencies in New York city that, um, that like stand for that, for diversity, like any, any height, uh, any size, any ethnicity, race, all of that. That is so amazing because I I tell my patients all the time who are struggling with body image, it's like, if you don't feel like you see yourself in others in media, of course, you're going to feel isolated and alone. But I love that the people and the peers in your agency, you feel such love and connect connectivity with, and they are so accepting. And it's like the same thing with friends too, right? You never want to be in a friend circle that's judging you all the time, especially your body. Like, why do I even want to fit in in that circle versus being in a loving, inclusive friend group that would just accept me the way I am. And it sounds like you found the right people because you are exuding acceptance for yourself. You attracted that. You got it on the money. <laughs> that's what I tell people all the time. It's like, oh, but but it's difficult, you know, it's hard. It is like to come to that moment of self-acceptance and like on like putting that energetic stake in the ground, saying, saying to the universe, saying to people around you, like, no, I am worthy of a certain caliber and I'm not going to go below anything else. And I, there were like specific moments that I saw that happen. Cause like, I, I was actually supposed to be signed with two agencies, but then my, the agency I'm with right now talked to me and they were like, you know, we can do this, but I wouldn't recommend it. And mm-hmm. I was like, are you just saying this to me? Cause you, you know, you want to, you want me to be exclusive to you. But then I was like, you know what? I kept seeing signs from the universe like crazy. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust that. And I'm so glad I did. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like you will, you will physically see evidence once you really command that for yourself out of self-respect and self-love. So anyone that's struggling with that, just find a way for you to really like put that stake in the ground and be like, no, this is, this is my energetic limit, you know? And I just think it's so, it's so special because you grew up, first of all, we're Asian. So the Asian beauty standards are through the charts and Mm -hmm. you're in the fashion world. And I just think for anyone listening, all of my audience who, who hear the messages, right. Mm -hmm. Of the need to be thin or the need to be skinny. If say young can do this, if she can just stand strong and be the most badass woman she is in the industry, that's that she's in, we can all take some of that and exude that into our day to day, because come on, you are killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah. Oh, let me tell you, I tell people all the time too. I'm like, I'm just a girl, <laughs> you know, like I'm like just your, I mean, I don't like saying I'm your, just your basic Korean girl, but like, 
I'm just a girl that also had parental issues. I had body image issues. And if I can, in eight months after I declared what was going to change in my life, if I can get this far, you can absolutely do that too. Anybody, anybody can. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear from you. What's next? What is that, that version of Say Young that is the most abundant, joyful, successful? Who is she? Ooh, oh, such a good one. I literally have her like right here, the vision board behind me. Your vision board. (laughs) Yes, I love it. There's so many pictures back there. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, first of all, I think like career wise, I really want to expand in 2022. So taking on clients that I only 100% believe in, meaning in the modeling uh, industry and that's what I've been doing as well. So like, there have been people that approached me and been like, Hey, we want to work with you. And I was like, the old me would have said, "Mm, like it's a thousand dollars or like, "Mm, it's $5,000. Like why not? But I am being very picky for a reason because like, again, we're going back to that, like energetic minimum, like, what do I want to be known for? Right? Like what brands do I want to have in my portfolio? So I have these dream brands that I want to model for and dream brands that I want to collab with on social media and like introduce to the audience. And I am working on a workshop slash course that I want to develop for the audience that I've had that I have right now, because everyone's always asking. And sometimes it stresses me out too, but they're like, (laughs) they're like um how do I do this how do I do that and like I'm like ferociously typing in my dms like because I love having that conversation with people there I want there to be like a centralized hub where they can go so that they can take my course and like my podcast is something I'm developing so that they can kind of get like a sliver like a taste of that um but I'd love to develop that community and make it you know its own thing and I think another thing is like, honestly, money. Yeah. Like living that abundant a as fuck lifestyle, because I want to give that inner child in me what she couldn't have, you know? And I want to prove to other people that if I came from that background, then they can absolutely, you know, create all of the wealth, the abundance in here, like in your heart and in the physical world as well. Um, So I would say those three things or four things are like what I'm really working on. (laughs) I love it. Do you hear that guys? She is coming to you hot with a podcast, with courses. So go follow her. And I do want to build one more question into this. Mm -hmm. If you could walk up to that version of Say Young that has it all and that just exudes everything that you want out of life, what would that version of Say Young say to you right now? (gasps) This is such a good question. Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. I have to thank Amanda Francis for this question. I bought her book and this was such a game-changing question. Anyways, sorry to cut you off. (laughs) Oh my gosh, because usually people ask me the opposite. Like, what would your, what would you say to your younger self? But now you're like, your future self is asking, okay, she would say you're doing everything just right. And just know that consistency is a form of self-love. Because I feel like rather than doing everything out of desperation or like hustle mentality, 
I want to do it out of self-love because I respect my dreams. I respect my influence. I respect my body so much that I'm so consistent and I'm doing everything. Like my success is inevitable, basically, as I courageously pursue all of my desires. Yeah, that's what she would say. (laughs) Ah, yes, yes. Everything that you're doing right now is exactly what you need to be doing. So where can everyone find you to get more of you, say? You guys can find me on TikTok. I am mostly uh, active there. It's at Generation Say, Generation S-A-E. Or if you want to DM me on Instagram, I love talking to people. So yeah, it's the same one, Generation S-A-E. Yeah, go ahead and follow your girl. (laughs) Yes, and go listen to our podcast. This is your sign. It's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Say. Um, and it was so nice having you on today. Oh my gosh, Elise. Thank you so much. 